Well, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me uh, explain it to you. First, it's free, and that's the best news of all. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. It's really easy. If I can do it, anybody can. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, too, and that's good news. You don't have to do it yourself, and it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And you can make money from your podcast. No minimum listenership required. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app. Go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome again to my podcast, episode number three. Glad you're with us. It's a weekly look at various topics from pop culture, politics sometimes, local happenings from uh, our area of the world, the Missouri Boot Heel, sports, some music sometimes. I think we'll have something today, too, some personal musings of little importance to anybody and maybe even not to me either. We're going to start today with the Super Bowl. I'll tell you what, it's been seven years coming, baby. I learned one thing since I've been here. You gotta fight for your right to party! (laughs) Travis Kelsey, baby. No telling what he'll say if the Chiefs actually win Super Bowl 54, which is Sunday. I'm going to give a prediction in a minute. We're not going to break the game down. Good night. You can get that on ESPN or Fox or CBS or wherever the heck you're looking. But a couple of things. Uh, I knew this, of course, but to some of the background story I wasn't aware of. You know, the Chiefs' late founder, Lamar Hunt, is credited with coining the term Super Bowl to describe the NFL's championship game thanks to seeing his daughter play with the ball. Clark Hunt, uh, of course, chairman of the Chiefs now, he gave an Update is how his dad was inspired. Hunt says his mother bought three Super Bowls for Christmas back in 1965 and one for his older brother Lamar and his sister Sharon and himself. Clark was only a year old at the time, and he likes to joke he was chewing on the ball. He said, I wasn't definitely bouncing it around the house. I may have been chasing it on the ground, crawling around, but my older sister and brother were bouncing them around the house, and I think that stuck in my dad's mind. Now think about it. Super Bowl. That's not far away from Super Bowl, is it? Yeah, I didn't think so. If you got a lot of money, man, you can you can buy one of these packages for the Super Bowl. <laughs> I was reading this, and this is unbelievable. Private jet service, a personal butler, maybe a, a meal with Rob Gronkowski. How's that sound to you? The city's most luxurious hotels in Miami, clubs and restaurants are offering over-the-top packages to entice the uh, big spenders now looking for action outside the end zone. Some of this stuff could cost over $700,000. I've got some of these for you. Now, by the way, on location experiences, Sam Sony says their top Super Bowl package last year in Atlanta went for $17,500. Now, that's bad enough. This year's top-tier packages in Miami are twenty dollars to $30,000, but they include game tickets, a pregame party, and shows by Darius Rucker. Wow. A chance to mingle with some football legends like Dan Marino and Marcus Allen. Now, here's some of these 
uh, that I ran across. VIP tables to the Maxim magazine party where the chain smokers will perform on a private island run about $20,000 unless you want to grab 11 of your closest friends and hitch a ride on a private helicopter for $65,000. Yeah. You want to hang with Shaq? Packages at Shaq's Fun House are going for $30,000 to $100,000 with the top package including 20 tickets to the game, a chance to hang with Shaq, your own private security, and 30 bottles of champagne and liquor to wash away any buyer remorse, which I would definitely have. Now the Rob Gronkowski thing, you can hang with the Gronk at Gronk Beach. But that's going to set you back six figures. $100,000 package includes 20,000 game seats and all the amenities, including table and bottle service afterward. Plus, he'll stop by your table for a chat. Yeah, there you go. I see. Let's read one more of these. Oh, here's the expensive one. Private aviation company NetJets and a luxury yacht, a yacht to charter company teamed up to deliver what may be the most indulgent package of all. $720,000, two guests flown to Miami in a private jet, put up in a suite at the Ritz to rest up before game day. After the game, you whisk away to the Caribbean where you'll spend four days sailing the tropical islands on a 236-foot, six-stateroom private yacht. $720,000. Yeah, you can drop some bucks in Miami. I've enjoyed watching the ESPN guys sweat it out in Miami, man. They're roughing it with the people uh, behind them, in front of them, and their tank tops and their shorts. Even the early morning guys, I think, have been having that kind of fun. But anyway, Super Bowl 54. Well, let's see. I'm a Chiefs fan. I I was a four, big 49er fan in the Montana Steve Young days, not so much anymore. But uh, the bottom line is the Chiefs have the most important and the best player on the field, and that's Pat Mahomes. And I guess because of that, because you have the best player, and he seems unflappable, and I know the 49ers have a great defense, and they can rush the quarterback. So if they get pressure on Mahomes, you know, anything can happen, I think. And I think the 49ers have a legit chance to win this game. But I'm going to go Chiefs 38, 49ers 28. 38-28 is my score uh, for the Super Bowl. And I, I don't know. Will it be even in that ballpark? I think there's going to be some points scored. I don't think that the 49er quarterback can win the game for them if called upon to do so. Uh, Garofalo is a good quarterback, man. But I don't know. I've seen Mahomes do it, though. So that's another thing that's uh, causing me to pick the Chiefs 38-28 in Super Bowl 54. I'm still mad at the Cardinals. I don't really have time to to talk about them and gripe about them too much. They're just not spending any money in the offseason. And now that Ozuna has signed with Atlanta, good grief. I, I don't know. Do we have a chance? We've got to sign somebody to hit fourth behind uh, Goldschmidt. Will that be Orinato? There's not been much talk about that this week. That's sort of calmed down, but it still could be in the works. You never know what's going on behind the scenes. But 
There's no way the Cardinals can go into spring training, especially the season, the way they are, and expect to win the Central. Cincinnati is spending some money, baby. I'm going to talk more about that next week, and we'll see what the Cardinals do. We'll, we'll talk more Cardinal baseball uh, next week on the uh, podcast. Well, we've talked Super Bowl and we've talked to Cardinals. I want to uh, slow down the pace just a little bit and talk about uh, something that happened 34 years ago this week, and that is the uh, Challenger disaster. Where were you when the Challenger uh, went down, the space shuttle? Well, I know exactly where I was. You know, there's some events that are just etched on your mind and will be forever. You know, I know where I was and exactly what I was doing when I found out about 9-11. And you can go way back even further. I know exactly what I was doing when I heard Elvis had passed away, you know, 125 years ago. And the Challenger 34 years ago, I, I remember exactly what I was doing. I was working for KARN in Little Rock, Arkansas, and uh, the Arkansas Radio Network. And I was, I was a general reporter. I was a capital reporter, but I, did, I covered politics and that kind of thing. On this particular day, in January 34 years ago, I was covering the re-election announcement of the Pulaski County Sheriff, Carol Gravitt. I even remember his name. I've not seen uh, the sheriff or talked to him in 34 years, but I remember his name well. And he had announced his reelection, and that was probably going to be our lead story through the afternoon at KARN on our local newscasts. But when I got to the radio station, with my Carol Gravitt story, Neil Gladner, who was our news director and was for many years at KARN, uh, saw me in the hallway and said, Steve, the Challenger has blown up. Well, I knew the Challenger was taking off, but by then the space shuttle wasn't even a big story because it, it happened so often. You know, it went up, came down, did what it's going to do, no problem. Folks didn't pay that much attention to it, really, but there was more on it this time because of the teacher, uh, McAuliffe, who was on there. But still, it was not grabbing a lot of attention. But, man, uh, that changed when the uh, tragedy occurred. And he said uh, to me, I, I just walked into the radio station. And he said, I need you to go find some public reaction to the shuttle blowing up. Now, first of all, I don't know what other reporters think about this kind of story, but I hate reaction stories. What are you going to say? What do you think about the Challenger blowing up? And people are going to say, well, it's terrible and, you know, that kind of thing. Ah, well. But for some reason, news agencies, including KARN at the time, loved reaction stories. So what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? Well, I decided I would go to the mall. I can't even remember. I think it was called University Mall. It was on University Avenue, whatever it's called, in Little Rock. Man, this has been a long time ago. I remember the incident more than I remember the street. But I decided to go to the mall and find a television because I figured some people would be surrounding the TV. It was such a big thing going on and so emotional for everybody. So I walked into the mall, and I said, where am I going to go? I'm going to go into Sears. 
So that's exactly what I did. I walked into Sears with my little tape recorder, and sure enough, six or seven people were watching the events and the and the coverage of the events on the national network, and uh, they were just sitting, standing there, sort of with this look of you know I can't believe this has happened look on their faces. So I, you know, introduced myself, apologized for what I was going to have to ask them. <laughs> did all that up front, and I talked to six or seven people really fast. What do you think, oh, what, what's your reaction to you know what has happened, whatever I asked, I don't know. And they answered, and none of them refused, and I really appreciated that. They could have said, well, what the heck are you doing here? Get, get out of here, but they didn't do that. And then I walked into a couple other stores. I saw a guy sitting in a, uh, you know, a soda shop kind of thing, and I asked him, and you know, I talked to eight, nine, ten people there at the mall, and then went back and cut that audio up, and we used it in the afternoon. I always felt bad for Carol Gravitt because, man, his reelection—he got reelected anyway—but his reelection announcement always overshadowed by the Challenger disaster. But that was my day, and after I cut up that audio, I went home and watched the. Uh, coverage myself uh, for the rest of the day so there's just some things you always remember you know and uh, I'll always remember 34 years that date in uh, in January with the Challenger disaster and I will always remember exactly what I was doing on the local front I talked to the mayor of our good city of Kent and I have people from Kent listen to the podcast so I always want to mention local. And last week we didn't really have anything to complain about. I don't have anything to complain about either, except I want to tell folks who may not uh, listen to our newscasts on uh, KTMO or KBOA that uh, I talked to the mayor, Chancellor Wayne, about what's going on with the uh, hospital search or the search for someone to come in and put a hospital in Kennett. Uh, And uh, for those who listen outside of Kennett, we lost our hospital a couple of years ago and and that's been a real problem for this rural community, you know, where to get health care. And we have to drive now out the closest hospital several miles away in a couple of different directions. And uh, corporate greed is the reason the hospital closed to start with. It was making a profit, but the company who owned the hospital wanted us to go to their bigger, better, newer facility 50 miles away. And I will say this, I will never go to that hospital I've told everyone who I know, if I have a heart attack or if I've had a stroke or, you know, I'm passed out and I have no way to respond, when the question's asked, where do you want to send this guy, do not send me to Popper Bluff Regional Medical Center. I'm not going. And that's it. With all that said, I asked the mayor about uh, where we were, and he said some uh, companies are looking at Kennett. And uh, he really can't say who at this point, but there's three or four. That's not something we can really put out there because, you know, even with the hospital building here that, you know, I've had several people like, hey, I've been calling and, you know, I've gotten this price on it or I've gotten that. And it's just like, that, that's great. We, we already had that information and we, we just don't need somebody going out there and it's like trying to do something really good and, you know, maybe 
giving the companies, you know, false information. Yeah, that's uh, Mayor Chancellor Wayne. He said, you know, who knows how long the process is going to take, and that's right. And even after the hard work that uh, some citizens are doing to try to get a hospital in town, it may not ever work. We just don't know. We hope it will. Maybe it will at some point. But uh, one of these days we may do an entire podcast on the problems called caused by, uh, you know, a lack of health care in rural communities or when a hospital's taken away and what happens to a community then. So we'll, uh, we'll get to all of that at some point or another, uh, probably. Well, uh, we're going to play a song at this point, and I, I, don't, I, I thought all week what kind of song I'm going to play. I like to play songs that I think should have been played more, or we shouldn't forget. Let me put it that way. So we'll play songs occasionally on my podcast, songs you know we shouldn't forget, or maybe a song that has uh, been overlooked in a, a catalog of a major artist. And everybody who knows me knows that I am an Elvis Presley fan. I have been since 1973, and the Aloha uh, concert. I was just a kid, saw that, uh, and man, I became attached to the king forever, and that is still true all of these years later. And uh, I listen to his music uh, quite often still and always will. And, you know, his great songs are his great songs, and there's a lot of them. But there's some that I think were great and should be uh, considered uh, a little more today than, uh, than they have been. And I'm going to play this one. This is a blues song. Elvis did a lot of blues songs. And this one has blues in the title. And I think it's an overlooked song in the Elvis catalog, but it shouldn't be. It is a great rendition of a blues song. It's called A Mess of Blues. Here's the king. I just got your letter, baby. Myself together 
Yeah, that's a mess of blues. And I, again, that's, that's an overlooked song in the Elvis catalog from the early 60s. And, man, I've got a song already picked out for next week that uh, you're talking about. It, it's an overlooked artist, not just an overlooked song. And uh, we'll get to that next week. Doctors in Texas said a man who came in complaining of frequent headaches and a fainting spell may have had a tapeworm in his brain for over a decade. Now, that begs the question, how do you know, how how do you not know that you have a tapeworm in your brain? Well, anyway, an Austin man came into a hospital after fainting in the middle of a soccer game last year, told doctors he had been experiencing severe headaches for months, I imagine. An MRI revealed the man had a tapeworm inside his brain. Now, the worm was removed surgically, and the man's recovering, and he's told doctors his headaches have stopped, and that's good news. Now, how did he get a tapeworm in his brain, you ask? Well, doctors said the man may have contracted the tapeworm by eating undercooked pork in Mexico more than a decade ago. Now, here's the ironic thing. The man's sister previously had a tapeworm removed from her brain years earlier. And uh, it's unclear whether the siblings contracted the tapeworms at the same time, but they were in the same place. I'm, a, I'm not much on betting. I bet once, once in a while, and I'm, I'm not a big gambler by any stretch of the imagination. But I would bet money today that they contracted the tapeworm at the same time in the same place. What do you think? I don't know. Oh, enjoy the Super Bowl. Are you going to have a Super Bowl party wherever you are? I hope you do. Eat some uh, chips, some salsa, whatever, some chicken wings. It's a big, I think it's the biggest pizza delivery day of the year, isn't it? Super Bowl Sunday, I believe I heard that one time. So whatever you do, have fun. It should be a great game. We'll probably talk about it a little bit next week before we move on to other topics. This is my podcast. I'm Steve Patton. See you later.